In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As we all are probably looking forward to the ending of a shameful presidential campaign, at some point it seems we can and ought to begin to think about how to move forward, how to move beyond. Um, What will we be like on the other side? How do we talk to those people perhaps we've avoided? How do we live with the outcome, especially if it's an outcome we might not be in favor of? As I try to think and pray about all those issues, um, I at least am beginning to see how I think we can learn from some of the negative examples we've seen. If we didn't realize it before, we now know that no media outlet has a hold on the truth, More than ever, we need to listen and read to several different sources, compare and contrast, and only then can begin to sort out what is fact from perhaps tweeted fiction. We can notice how much moral energy has gone into the discussion of politics, especially especially by people who have no other moral framework in which to invest their energy. I think the two are related because people are less religious, have less of a place to put that energy, then it all goes into politics, which shouldn't be given the importance that it is. And so we as people of faith can reclaim those things that are most important in our worldview. And then a third and obvious aspect of the campaigning should remind us all just how easy it is to bring someone down, to sow a rumor or plant doubt or rub someone else's entire being in the worst chapter of their past. It's much, much more difficult to build up. Our culture, in fact, almost conditions us to find flaws, doesn't it? In an argument, in a plan, in a process, in other people. As Father Graham reminded us last week, it's almost second nature when we're on the subway. We look around and we begin to take inventory. What was that person thinking when they put that shirt on? (laughs) Did that man even look in the mirror when he left his house? And so on we go. It's just second nature for most of us. How much more difficult, and yet, how much more might it change everything if we were able to look around and and see the positive in the same subway car to look at someone and say, wow, that person really likes color. Or look at another one, the one with the stroller in the way of the door, and say, well, that woman appears to be an incredibly loving mother. (laughs) Or bless that man who seems to have worked all day long, and so he's fallen asleep. It would be a whole different experience, wouldn't it? It would be for me, I know. Well, today's gospel is about many things, but one of the most powerful, I think, begins with the love of Jesus, and it's a love that helps a person who feels very, very small 
it helps that person feel large. In so doing, Jesus invites Zacchaeus to be right-sized, to confess and repent from sin and to live with a whole new humility and to discover a new joy that saves, a new joy that is salvation, in fact. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, that most hated and reviled of all people, because not only is he collecting people's money, but he's doing it on behalf of the Roman occupation. Zacchaeus, like other tax collectors, was viewed as a sellout. He'd sold his own people out to the Romans, but then was trying to exact even more payment out of his fellow Jews and was skimming off the top, taking a huge profit for himself. Zacchaeus is not only a tax collector, we're told in the gospel, he's the chief tax collector. So he's the worst of the worst of the worst. It's people like Zacchaeus that the words of Isaiah in our first reading are directed at. It was a different time and a different place, but it's the same sort of dynamic. Isaiah criticizes the people of Jerusalem by lumping them in with the rulers and people of Sodom and Gomorrah, places famous for their inhospitality and hypocrisy. Isaiah reminds the people of God that God's not listening to prayers or accepting offerings when at the same time those same people are ignoring justice, are taking advantage of widows and the poor, and are adding on to the oppressed. But Isaiah, just like that lovely shift in tones in our psalm, thank you for that, Um, Isaiah does the same thing in his message, where all of a sudden it's a new day. There is hope. There is forgiveness. There is mercy, like we sang about, mercy in God. God invites God's beloved to confess. Come now, God says. Let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Returning to the gospel story about Zacchaeus, the children's song so many learn in Sunday school or vacation Bible school makes fun of the story, and it sounds like it's just a cute uh, experience of this wee little man, Zacchaeus, who goes up into the sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. But I wonder if there isn't a lot more to it. We're told Zacchaeus is small of stature, but I think it goes way beyond the physical size. I think it has to do with his height, surely, but it also has to do with his self-image. It has to do with his capacity to apprehend the world. It has to do with even his heart. And yet there's something that makes him curious about Jesus. Maybe he's heard about Jesus before. Maybe he's heard Jesus' preaching. Or maybe he's just had it with being part of a corrupt system. Maybe he feels trapped in that system. He's tired of working against his own people. Maybe he's eaten up with guilt at all that he's stolen. Jesus shocks the crowd that day. By ignoring all the faithful who are there, eager to hear Jesus hanging on every word. And Jesus looks up into the sycamore tree, and there he sees this notorious sinner, Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Invite me to your house for lunch. 
It would be like Jesus interrupting a press conference where perhaps the chairman of Wells Fargo is there trying to justify all the illegal accounts they created. And Jesus ignores all the good church-going people there for a protest. And Jesus looks at this, this banker and invites that banker to a private meal. But it's no VIP luncheon. The gospel doesn't really go into detail about what the conversation must have been like. Maybe Jesus spoke first. Maybe Jesus reasoned it out with Zacchaeus. We just don't know. But what we do have are the really surprising words of Zacchaeus. Words of repentance and restitution. Half of my possessions, Lord, I'll give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay back four more times as much. So there's something about Jesus being face-to-face with Zacchaeus, God being present for Zacchaeus, that helps Zacchaeus grow to be big-hearted. It helps him grow up and grow out of himself, and it, he changes. He, he makes amends. He, he gets things right. You may have seen, along with me in the the media, that there's a a whole um, sort of parade of South Korean officials and of of executives and government officials who have taken to publicly and dramatically bowing and apologizing for things done wrong. And yet notice that after the cameras are shot off and the bow is over, the person is still collecting their same salary and they're still keeping jobs in that same system. This is very different from that. Zacchaeus doesn't sneak out the side door with a huge severance and he doesn't float out the window in a golden parachute. Instead, Zacchaeus shows us what it looks like to repent Zacchaeus shows us what it looks like to grow up into Christ. He shows us that that growth comes partly through changing what is done wrong, coming clean with the past, being honest with wrongdoing, and doing one's best to set things straight. I don't know where this story of Zacchaeus finds you, how you hear it this morning. Maybe you're feeling kind of small for some reason or another. Maybe other people have belittled you in a moment or over years. Maybe circumstances have made you feel reduced to almost nothing, insignificant. Well, this story reminds us that Jesus calls each one out of whatever our sycamore tree or shrub might be like, whatever, whatever hiding place we might be tempted to go, Jesus calls us to come out, to come into his presence, to, to receive his light, his warmth, his love, where we can grow and flourish and mature and be new people. Perhaps as you hear the story of Zacchaeus, Something comes to mind from deep down in your heart. Something you need to correct from the past or apologize for or confess or unburden and move beyond. Most Sundays, most times we gather around this altar, we have a prayer of confession. And that's one place where you can name that thing before God. If there's a burden that you're having trouble getting rid of, the church offers that prayer. The church also offers the sacrament of confession. I'm happy to meet with you or can refer you to someone else. 
As God says to the people in Isaiah's day, we can reason it out, we can talk it out, and often you find after that conversation the burden is gone. But perhaps the faith and repentance of Zacchaeus can encourage us when we're wrong uh, to admit that we're wrong, that we blew it, that we hurt someone, that we didn't do the right thing. And then we can begin piece after piece to get things into place and move ahead. I love that Zacchaeus meets Jesus and it's over a meal that this forgiveness happens. It's, it's through a meal, a simple lunch, that renewal takes place. It, it sets the stage for what we do almost every time we come together at this altar or another altar like it. It's a place of forgiveness and fellowship, of renewal and reunion. That's what we do. We receive that invitation from God through Christ to be made large, to be enlarged in the very best sense of that idea, to have our hearts expanded, our sins forgiven, and our generosity and commitment enlarged. Whether we're coming out of a tree, a bad week, a tricky spiritual place, or just an ordinary church pew, May we each hear the loving invitation of Jesus to come and be healed, come and be loved, come and receive Christ and be restored in the image of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.